Welcome to Walking Together, a podcast all about encouraging each other as we follow Jesus together. I'm your host, Dennis Lavelle. Let's start walking. When I was a kid, we took a tour of the Hershey Chocolate Factory in Oakdale, California. And I'm telling you, when you walked in, the aroma of chocolate just saturated the air. It was a smell that just made you salivate. Well, the tour lasted for about an hour. They walked us through all the stages from the grinding and melting of the cocoa bean to adding the milk to the finished product where they shined it up by adding paraffin wax. So if you've ever wondered why Belgian chocolate tastes so much better, it's because they don't add paraffin. Well, as everyone was exiting the main doors, they handed everyone a Hershey's chocolate bar as a thank you for taking the tour. Now, you would think that everyone in our tour group would have been overjoyed with the fact that we got a free chocolate bar. But here's the thing. Even as a kid, I remember nobody, and I mean nobody, wanted to eat their chocolate bar. Our senses had shifted into chocolate overload. Chocolate was the last thing you wanted to smell or eat. I have a very good friend here in Belgium who has worked with chocolate for so long that he can no longer smell his own proprietary blend of chocolate. It's only after being away on vacation for a week or two where his olfactory system gets a break that he can actually smell it again. And then it doesn't take long before he goes right back to not being able to smell it again. When I read this parable that Jesus tells in Matthew 21, verses 28 through 32, even though it has nothing to do with chocolate, my mind goes back to that Hershey's factory tour because I can see the same thing happening, but with grapes. Now, I've never worked in a vineyard, but I can imagine that picking grapes in a sunny part of Israel would be hard work. You would have to cut the grapes from the vines, then carry them back to the pressing area. Then you'd have to go through the process of squishing the grapes to get the juice. And of course, in my mind's eye, it probably looks something very similar to that famous I Love Lucy episode where she squishes the grapes with her feet. And after a time, you would think that the very smell of the grapes would just make you sick. And here we see that the owner of the vineyard had two sons. And naturally, he wanted their help. No doubt, they had been brought up in the family business. And even though they knew the fruit of their labor would be worth it, it would require sacrifice. Generation after generation, we see children who just don't want to work in the same profession as their parents. We had a man in our church whose dad was a butcher, and his grandpa was a butcher, and his great-grandpa was a butcher, his great-great-grandpa was a butcher. Five generations back, they were all butchers. But when it came time for him to make his career choice, he didn't want to be a butcher, and it created a huge family rift. And just like the two sons here in Matthew 21, they had to wrestle with the same question. Do I carry on what my father has started, or do I do something else? 
And it's the same question we have to answer as well. Do I carry on what my Heavenly Father has started, or do I do something else? And through this parable, we clearly see that God gives each of us a choice. Do I work in my Father's vineyard or not? The one son, understanding what working in the vineyard involved, was honest with his father. He plainly said, I won't. Read it. It's there. And Jesus compared this son with the prostitutes and the tax collectors. And to the Jewish mind in that day, there were two professions that were considered absolutely disgusting. The one sold their body for money. The other sold their honesty for money. Prostitutes and tax collectors were hated by the mass population because everyone else had to work a normal job and earn an honest day's wages, which was a lot harder. So if you wanted an easy life, you landed on one of those two professions. But here's the thing. They knew God would not be happy with their decision. But they weren't interested in what God wanted. They simply wanted an easy life. And here's the part that sticks out to me. Even though their lifestyles were not God-approved, at least they were honest about it. They made it publicly known they had chosen to reject God. They didn't come to church on the Sabbath. They showed no interest in helping others. They were simply living for themselves. And yet we all know Christians who claim to be born again, who claim to be changed, new creations in Christ. But yet everything they do represents the opposite of what a follower of Jesus truly is. And I want to be extremely honest and bold with you. If you don't want to follow Christ, why not just be honest about it? To put it in terms of the parable, if you choose to put on the high heels of the prostitute, or if you choose to get into the booth where the tax collector sits, if you make that choice to live for yourself, then please quit telling people you're a Christian. It's only giving the name of Christ a black eye. Again, what's the attitude of this first son? I'm simply not going to do it. But at least he was honest about it. But then we read, he was convicted. He realized how stupid and how selfish his response was. He says, oh man, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I've been responding like that. He repents. He fixes the relationship with his father. And he got busy working. Now, the attitude of the second son is somewhat different. He told his father, of course, I'll go work. But then he never did. And here Jesus is using it as a reference to the chief priests and elders. The people he's trying to wake up are the so-called spiritual leaders of the day. They would study God's word. They decided how it was to be interpreted. They even determined how many steps you could walk on the Sabbath and whether it was okay to rescue a donkey from a ditch or to heal someone on the Sabbath because that might be considered work in their eyes. They gave their 10%. They never ate pork. I mean, these guys were all about commitment. So Jesus asked them a question. Which of these two sons did the will of his father? 
And they reasoned among themselves and said, well, it has to be the first son who repented. And Jesus, in essence, says, therein lies the issue. It's that word, repent. It was something the first son did, but not the second. It was also something the spiritual leaders refused to do. Now, don't get tripped up on that word, repent. Repentance simply means to change your mind, and consequently, your actions change because of it. It means agreeing with God that you're wrong in your heart, mind, attitude, and actions. And these leaders didn't like it when John told them to repent. And they certainly didn't like it when Jesus pointed out the problem of unrepentance. They were willing to walk around in long robes all day long. They were willing to only walk a limited number of steps on the Sabbath. They were willing to stay away from all the wrong kinds of foods. But repent? Uh-uh. They just couldn't bring themselves to do that. Why? Because it's not just a matter of what you say. It's not just a matter of what you do, like a change in your lifestyle. It has everything to do with humbleness and saying, God, you're right, I'm wrong. And let's be honest, we're not great at that. We've devised our own value system of what's right and what's wrong. And we've adjusted where that line is. And we've blurred that line so many times. And we justify it by saying, well, God understands the pressure I'm under. And at least I'm not as bad as some people I know. But when you think like that, you are devaluing the worth of God's grace. You see, repentance at its core puts us at an equal status with the prostitutes and tax collectors. It means understanding what Paul writes when he says, for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. You'll remember that John's message was, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But the great news is that his message didn't end with, repent, you stinking sinners, because God provided the solution. Look at the Lamb. He takes away your sins. And Jesus told those spiritual leaders in no uncertain terms, you guys aren't entering the kingdom because you choose not to believe the truth. You choose not to repent. You refuse to see things from God's perspective. You continue to make up rules on how others should serve and please God. And this is a wake-up call for us. We cannot avoid the obvious question that Jesus asks. Will you work in my vineyard? What's been your response to that question? Has your attitude been like the first son, where you've said, no, I'm not going to do that? Or maybe like the second son, who responded by saying, yes, yes, I'll go. But then you never get around to doing it. Now, here's the third and very real possibility. You might be stuck between the I won't and the I repent. Think about that for a second. Are you stuck there between the I won't and the I repent? Listen, you cannot and will not be a useful servant in your father's vineyard until you get past the I won't. Which one of these two sons best describes you? It's a great question, but only you 
can truthfully answer that. So, get past the I won't, roll up your sleeves, and let's work together in God's vineyard. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope it's been a blessing to you. Share it on your social media accounts. Write a positive review on Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast platform is. Thanks again. Stay encouraged in the Lord. We'll see you next time.